Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and today we're going to have a conversation about Advent. We are right in the middle, or at least somewhat, I guess, the beginning of the Advent season still, and so we're going to have a discussion today about why Advent. And so I'm, I'm grateful that that uh, Rachel and, and Marcia did a great job leading our discussion in this space last week. They did a terrific job. Uh, guiding our thoughts on thankfulness and some of the intentionality behind that. And today I'm joined by a couple of other guests. Uh, One is a familiar voice to our podcast. Jason is with me today. Hello, Jason. Hello. Good to to be here. I'm excited to talk about Advent. It's a great time of year. It is. It is a good time of year. And the other person, the other voice you'll hear today is a familiar one to many at the Vine, but a new voice on this particular podcast that we've been doing. Michael Van Heis is with us today. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. I'm, I'm grateful that you were, were able to, to carve out some time for us and, and spend some time with us today. And I, w- I was trying to think of someone who might have a good perspective to, to add to this conversation. And, and you came up in my mind because I know you've got a, um, a heart for, for liturgical calendar type things. And, and I know you think very deeply and are very well read on a lot of these types of topics. So I thought, well, let's see if Michael is able to join us. And I'm glad you were. So are you ready to shed some knowledge and wisdom on us today? I'm ready to shed uh, something. <laughs> I don't know if it will be. I don't well, think how to call it knowledge and wisdom. I, I, that's. Um, uh, I, I'm just gonna uh, feign ignorance there. I guess. Well, to use our friend Terry Rasco's language, as long as we're not shedding virus, um, <laughs> then we'll we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Advent is another one of those seasons that that I have sort of gained more appreciation for uh, in in the last several years, and and so I wanted to to have a discussion today, really just centered around that kind of simple concept of of why Advent, and so we'll have you know sermons that are geared in this direction towards Advent, uh, of course at the Vine and and other conversations, and I think Rachel has has put out some reading plans and things like that in a couple of places on Facebook and things like that. So they're all kind of resources that you can find. But I thought it'd be good for us to have just a conversation about why why is this a good practice 
Um, what's the value in it? Some of that. So we'll start there. And if either of you have have a thought to kick us off with, we'll just start with why why Advent and what gives this season value and meaning. You can answer that either what you think it adds to you personally or for the church or however however you want to interpret that question. Sure. Um, from uh, from my understanding, Advent uh, is a season that where the universal church collectively um, is waiting for the return of Christ, right? Um, that and the the return of Christ is not we're, we're not looking for the birth of Christ in the Advent season. Um, the uh, instead we're actually waiting for God to bring everything to an end, and it's this kind of like recognition where uh, we realize that. Um, Things are not uh, good. God has not made good on his claim yet to come back. And so we are kind of um, uh, focusing our attention on uh, his return and begging him for his return. We're, we're kind of joined to prophet Isaiah uh, in, in this sense as, you know, where we collectively say together, you know, tear open the heavens and come down. And... Um, uh, so that's my kind of a brief um, summary of what I think Advent's about. Yeah, it's it's interesting you started there because I think you know especially in the past I think in in church tradition things like fasting at the beginning of Advent were much more popular than they are you know that may be true in certain faith traditions still today but. I think as as Advent has become more popular in, in Protestant kind of traditions and, and backgrounds, I I think some of that fasting and stuff doesn't necessarily get um, get included a lot. But there is sort of this um, there's a there's a tension that's certainly present within Advent, and and almost a dis- discomfort that I think that fasting was meant to to bring about that is is maybe sometimes missing from the ways that we even celebrate advent but is certainly missing i think from the ways in which we celebrate christmas <laughs> um we we don't want tension or discomfort or ambiguity with our with our christmas stuff right we like that to be um to be cleaned up and and there's value in that and and there's good in that but but i do think there's also some value in acknowledging the tension that's there as well yeah, I, I I hadn't thought about it like that, but culturally, Christmas has become something that we almost, we, not to say that it always is, far from it, but we want it to be something universally joyous and happy and, you know, we're, we're getting gifts and we're uh, giving gifts and we're, um, you know, visiting family and we have maybe some time off from work or stuff like that uh, and and so I think it's something that we we want to um, we don't want to think about discomfort or sadness or anticipating something with, you know, maybe fear and trepidation and and uh, that 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 portion of the meaning of Advent, I think, is something very antithetical to our cultural understanding of Christmas, which plays a big role in our religious practice of Christmas as well. Yeah, I think one, uh, what what comes to my mind, a, a, a passage of scripture that uh, really captures Advent 
is Romans 8, right? So, and it's particularly Romans uh, starting in, in verse 14 and going all the way through um, verse 23. And I'll, I'll connect it, but I'm just going to read that uh, real quick, if that's okay. Um, all who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters, You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit uh, agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. But if we are all, but if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. If we really suffer with Him, so that we can also be glorified with Him. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that's going to be revealed to us. And so the whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it, but in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation. We ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first crop of the harvest, also groan inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. So I guess I bring this Romans 8 up as a kind of a... A, a nice image to think about uh, the Advent season, right? So Advent is a time uh, where we kind of embrace the all, where, where we are really focusing on the already not yet uh, reality of our Christianity, right? So when you were saved by the grace of God and baptized into Jesus, uh, in, in the waters and came up and you have the spirit come upon you, right? Um, your salvation began right then, then, right there or right then, uh, right? Uh, your salvation began the moment you rose from the water. And so uh, we are now enabled to participate, to live into our salvation. And uh, that brings us joy. It brings us freedom, liberation. It brings us um, comfort and, uh, and this kind of sen- this, like, sense of, of deep happiness in that moment. At the same time, uh, as we live our li- as we go about our lives, we realize that things are um, uh, uh, can get pretty tough, right? We had no idea a pandemic was going to happen this year. Um, you had no idea that you were going to lose a love loved one un- uh, so unexpectedly, um, and uh, we kind of f- yes, we're saved, but we're not really getting to. Im- uh, experienced the fullness of that of our saved existence. We're not really at that point yet, right? God hasn't really come. But we're not face to face with God yet. And I guess I I, re, I think this image of adoption that Paul uses is a perfect way of thinking about uh, uh, the Advent season, uh, precisely because adoption can be this redeemed. Uh, practice that you do, right? You're bringing someone into your family. 
But uh, while that is a joyful thing and beneficial thing or however you want to characterize it, um, that that joy is not without its pain. The inherent intrinsic pain of a child needing to be uh, having been separated, traumatized and wounded by um, uh, separating from that biological parent. Uh, right and 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 I guess to be to put all my cards on the table, I'm speaking about my own experience with an international adoption. I've told the church uh, some of my that's part of my story, and so as a, when I think about Avin, I think about um, uh, kind of my the my own story and trauma with adoption, right? Like this idea that on one hand, yes, my adoption is redeemed and, and, uh, I am, I am, I am where God wants me to be. Yeah. On the other hand, there's not a day that goes by where I don't feel the existential angst and trauma of being, um, separated, uh, from my biological parents. That was not supposed to be. That was not what God intended. I do not believe adoption is God's uh, intended plan. Um, it is something that I think Christians have done to um, uh, help fill in that that gap. But it was not un- in the original blueprint. It doesn't seem to me. And so uh, that and so in that to bring it back around to Advent is that's kind of where we're at, right? We as a church collectively. Uh, have been adopted into God's family, but at the same time, we have not fully um, experienced that that adopted status in the way that we were supposed to, because God has not yet come back. We to and uh, to bring everything to a close. So, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but no, I'm I'm glad you brought in the experience of someone who is adopted, um, because I think you certainly you certainly read that text in a different way than than many others might and and that's a phrase that um that i think you know for for those of us who haven't been on your side of adoption i think it's a phrase that's easy for us to read and be like oh isn't this a great thing that god wants to bring us into his family right and and we don't i don't necessarily read the trauma and pain and tension there that you just inherently hear in that phrase um, and so I think it's good to bring that to bring that out, and and I do think it gets to, you know, to me that is the, the the central part of Advent to me is this idea of anticipation and waiting and and preparation that I'm that I'm preparing myself for something, and and that's what I think again kind of to go back to what I started with at the beginning, I think that's what that's what to me gives it so much value and meaning. Because, you know, we've got all these kind of fake controversies now about, like, when is too early to start decorating for Christmas, you know, and people will get sometimes actually enraged online or most of the time just kind of, you know, fake rage about, oh, you're doing it too early and da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, but I do think there's a little bit of of of, of credence to that idea of if we rush too 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 quickly to some of that, we 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 miss a blessing of of the preparing ourselves and and the value of thinking about things like anticipation and waiting uh because i do think like the the christmas season and the and the advent season too is a time for joy and and for celebration and for peace 
um, and, and those things. But, but those things are more fully experienced on the other side of preparation and, and waiting and, and, and some of those things that I think Advent brings about. And so I think it actually adds, adds meaning to all those other things that we, that we love and experience um, at Christmas. And that I think maybe for many people, they are especially looking forward to in 2020 in a year that has been full of so much uncertainty and turmoil and, and lack of peace that, man, this is, this is the season that, that's going to bring some peace. And, and I think that's good, and I think that's warranted. But I think this idea of waiting and anticipation is, is good as well. And so I'll, I want to come back to that in just a minute to some other things about waiting. But uh, I'll see. Jason, you, you have any thoughts on any of this? So the Advent has never been anything that I really acknowledged or observed uh, as a child. Um, it's not anything that I uh, get, really gave any thought to until I was uh, living in Michigan and we were attending a Dutch Christian Reformed Church, which observed Advent. Uh, and then I've been, in fact, actually since then, every church I've been uh, a member at has in some way, shape, or form observed Advent. And so I've kind of been coming to an understanding and appreciation of it later. Um, and for me, I the, the concept of prepare, preparedness and waiting for the coming Christ, um, that it, it's felt almost to me like a bit of a passion play where where we're kind of putting on this this reenactment of what God's people may have experienced as they were waiting awaiting the Messiah, um, and that's probably not that's not entirely accurate. Obviously, uh, we're not uh, we're not trying to actually replicate, you know, first or or you know negative one <laughs> uh, year history here. Um, but it, it does make me kind of um, ponder what kind of anticipation, uh, you know, that kind of existential anticipation really means. And how do I, how do I have, observe, how do I observe that in my life in a way that makes sense? And frankly, I've never really developed a good answer for that. I think I've, like I said, having come to Advent later in life, um, I've slowly warmed to what it is meant to do. I don't think I've ever really fully found a way to observe it uh, that that I felt was spiritually or uh, or existentially meaningful to me. You know, I like the lighting of the candle every Sunday, and I like kind of talking about it. I like the. Um, you know, the various hymns that are particularly tied to Advent. Um, but I, I don't know that I've ever found, you know, the the spiritual hook in my own life. Um, I think hearing Michael talk about how it connects with his experience with adoption and uh, and kind of talking about it from that perspective, that's a that's so foreign to my experience that it, it's incredibly rejuvenating to kind of hear that, that different perspective. Um, so I, I, I guess the, that's a long way of saying, I don't really know what to think. 
Uh, I don't really know how to observe. I don't really know how to practice. And it's one of those things that I'm eager to keep trying new things and hearing different perspectives. But I, I, I definitely don't have an answer right now. Yeah. And I think to that point, I, I had the thought as, as you started talking there that I think even for me, I want to be honest just about where I'm at. I think I, I appreciate the concepts of Advent and the, the ideas behind it. But I'm with you, like, practically, how does that work into my life? Um, I don't have a lot of really kind of defined practices or, or ways that I kind of observe it. Um, but I think each year I, 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 I find myself gaining a little more appreciation for what it calls us to and, um, and the themes and the ideas behind it. And I think that's one of the things that's sort of dif- difficult, especially for a church like ours, that we don't necessarily follow a lot of the other kind of church calendar. We kind of hop in and out of it, like around Easter and Advent and things like that. And so if you're coming to Advent once a year for a month, it it's difficult like it 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 almost i think for for those of us who are coming to it as adults it almost necessarily is a slow build over a series of years and seasons right that that i think it's it it builds on itself and and yeah maybe i'm not going to experience it in kind of this profound way and have all these practices built up but that's kind of how it's been for me it's been a slow build cuz i i didn't really do anything with it until we moved here and came to the vine and so the first time that we did it, I was like, so we just kind of light these candles on Sundays and like there's an extra decoration on stage. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, that's fine. Um, but each year it sort of gains gains a little more personal meaning and value for me as I go about thinking about it. Even if a lot of the, the ways that I probably go about this season don't necessarily look a lot different. I don't know if that makes sense. but Well, I wonder if it would be helpful to, to try to put some more practice practicality on it or some more concreteness to something that is typically foreign to Protestant churches uh, is to kind of think about like this. So, you know, what is most, uh, you know, when we think about going about our lives on a day-to-day basis, right, what is, um, uh, what are we, uh, what is a lot of our attention preoccupied with when we go about living our lives? Well, we wait, like, right, waiting is pre is like a daily thing that we do one way or the uh, or another. Right, we're either waiting at red lights, we're waiting because of a traffic jam, we're waiting for kids to get done with school, whether on Zoom or what or whatnot. Um, uh, we hate to wait. You know, we wait for the Amazon packages at our doors uh, to get to our doors, and that's and even then we have a two day. You know, if you're a Prime member, you get a two-day sh- uh, shipping, I guess. But even then, we hate waiting, especially if it's something that we deeply desire, right? Like we uh, – so maybe I, I, I bring that – those like common examples to maybe help us think more wider about what – one way to think about Advent is to think about what desires are – in our are in our lives. What are the desires in our lives that remain unfulfilled? Right. So so I want so I have a deep desire for justice, racial justice, and churches of Christ. I have a deep desire for a job, actually one where I'm not making avocado, you know, guacamole for a living, um, or Ubering for a living. I have a deep desire for um, uh, marriage. Right and all those remain unfulfilled, 
for at least right now in my life. Um, however, um, when we hate to wait on those, we want these things now, right? Like I'm, I'm, I've recently joined dating apps. I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. Uh, hopefully this only listens to the vibe. I've joined, I've joined these dating apps, right? And it's really fun. It's, you get to meet all these new people and, um, it's great. And what, one of the things that you have to be wary of when you're doing that is be careful not to get too lost in the excitement because you want that. Cause what you want is this, or at least what I want is this immediate relational connection where we're like, we're all right. Let, right. But that's the, the, if you're impatient with it, it, there's a lot of bad things that can happen with that. Right. And so in a similar sense, I, I, I wonder if that's more helpful to kind of help frame the Advent season is to get us thinking about what is it our what are what are our unmet desires and um, how might those be um, preoccupying our attention during this time and then after discovering what those unmet desires are asking yourself like okay, how are these unmet desires really distracting me away from my most ultimate desire, which is God? So I don't know. Is that helpful? The Lord invites us to ask, is my ultimate desire Christ and God right. and the coming of Christ in my life and right. and the, the birth of Christ in, in my heart and in my will and those types of things? Uh, it, it invites us to ask that. Yeah, I think absolutely. And um yeah, I actually that that was I think that's close to I, I like that idea of of asking and kind of lo- looking at our un, unfulfilled desires and the things that we're waiting on because I had sort of a similar thought of of kind of examining what are the what are the things that we're waiting for because I think a lot of times we do we do find ourselves waiting for things um that probably aren't going to happen um and and because of that, we, we, we maybe even put a lot of time and, and mental energy into those things. And I think when that happens, that leads us to things like despair. And it, it leads us to, to kind of have this jaded understanding of hope. Like if I'm waiting for, and if, if my definition of hope is that I'm waiting for something that I know is probably not going to happen, but I'm, I have hope, right? I'm holding out hope that it might uh, I think a lot of times we substitute hope for like might, like this might happen. I hope it would happen. Then, then I really think that can can jade how we come to this idea of Christian hope. Um, and and in Advent, I think we're reminded of this idea that that yeah, the world at one point was waiting for the coming Messiah, and and he came, and God kept that promise. And there were people who were waiting a long time for it, um, but he came. And and we find ourselves, as you referenced at the beginning, Michael, in a similar place where we're groaning with, with creation in this kind of broken place, waiting for His return, and and we're reminded by by Advent that God kept His promise then, and and He will now. Um, and so, how are we how are we moving forward to bring about the the kingdom here um, in in a way that is that 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 is meaningful and brings peace and and all of those things. You know, hearing hearing Michael talk about how we we don't want to wait for anything. We have two day delivery. Amazon actually, in some areas, will offer same day delivery of some items. Um, and you know, this notion of of hope, Warren, that you're talking about, and hoping for something that might happen, 
that it does kind of leave us, if we engage in those kinds of behaviors too often, then it, it prevents us from, first of all, just simply having patience. Mm-hmm. And second of all, uh, feeling like I can wait for something that is either outside of my control or at least majority-wise is in someone else's control, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. And I think that's that's critically important to have peace, to be able to let God, you know, work in our life uh, and for us to be able to witness that and grow into that is the ability to wait. Uh, we have a, a rule in our family around this time of year that between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you're not allowed to buy something for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be honest, that's tough. I see something and normally I could be like, oh yeah, I can buy that for 20 bucks and and have it shipped to me and I'll have it in two days. Well, nope, not this time of year. It's not allowed. And so, and that's kind of a a silly example, but um, it's forcing me to have some anticipation and it may even be something that that nobody's going to get for me for Christmas in the first place, you know? So it's not like I'm waiting for it and and know that I'm going to get that for Christmas. I very well might not. Um and and I think there's a lot of waiting, there's a lot of hopefulness that has to be, you know, belief is not about fact. You know, I don't believe things that are that are provable. I believe in something because it's not provable, but because I have hope that it's true. Um and so when I'm when I'm faced with the hope of something, um, some people may look at my very situation and say, well, you're delusional. Maybe I am, uh, but that doesn't mean that my hope is meaningless. It doesn't mean that it's, it, you know, if I'm, if I'm hoping for something or waiting for something with the anticipation that it's definitely going to happen, okay, I might be setting myself up for some amount of disappointment or I may be setting myself up for impatience or something like that. But I think it's a certain amount of doubt that is this going to happen? Is this actually coming? Is it not? I'm not entirely sure. I believe that it will, and I have hope that it will, but there's a certain amount of trepidation involved in that. There's a certain amount of, I can't will this into existence, you know, all on my own. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, you, you, you used that imagery earlier of kind of that, that you kind of saw Advent is playing out of this kind of a play, almost like this kind of reenactment. And I do think that's where the, the reenactment imagery is almost helpful for us because it is this reminder that like at one point people were waiting for a long time and he came. Um, and, and the repetition of that and, and the reminder that that's going to happen again and that what I'm hoping for is not in vain, even though it hasn't been realized, even though it hasn't been fulfilled that that it's still something we're looking forward to and hope. I do think that that, that reenactment kind of imagery is sort of helpful and, and, and good even for this season. Yeah. Cause if you if you look at um you know I've been thinking this week, so my, my first sermon for the Advent series is kind of looking at the differences and responses to the kind of looking at Gabriel's words and in in Luke one and looking at the differences, comparing the responses of Zachariah and Mary. 
and and you've got waiting that that happens later in Luke two, like at the temple. You know, Simeon has been waiting for the consolation of Israel, um, and so you you've got he, uh, Simeon and and uh, and Anna at the temple who have been waiting for this. But then you've also got like this interesting contrast, I think, in Zech- Zechariah and Mary. And Zechariah has been waiting for something probably for decades. And like when he's told that it's finally going to happen, he, he can't bring himself to believe it, right? Because he's been waiting for this for so long that it's like, like his, his first words are, how can I be sure of this? Like, no, this isn't, I'm not going to allow myself to go there yet. Um, and, and so I don't, that, that contrast between him and Mary, who Mary can't be expecting this at all, right? She hasn't been waiting for this at all. This is all just brand new for her. That contrast is very interesting there in Luke 1. Um, but, but I think that idea of, of Zechariah brings to mind like this idea of, of, of how do we wait and how do I go about preparing myself for these things that I, that I truly believe, that I say I believe are, are coming? Um, and what does that look like to be prepared for that? And I think that's a phrase you hear a lot in this time about preparing him room. You know, it's even in, said in joy to the world, let every heart prepare him room or whatever. Uh, you know, this idea of, of, of making preparations in my heart for, for Jesus and for the kingdom and things like that. Well, I think you hit on like this really critical point, right? How we wait right. matters, right? How we wait for God matters because when we fail, when we, you know, one way to look at it is to ask the question, what is the cost of impatience? Like really, you know, what is the cost of impatience? Um, and in the, in the words of like one uh, great philosopher, Master Yoda, you know, you know what, what is here, right? He has that, what's that line? Um, you know, pay, uh, uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, right? Well, um, if you think about, um, if you take that in a similar sense, a patience over our, our, you know, earthly desires might lead to this idolatry, right? This unholy obsession to get something um, that we don't have, which might lead to jealousy of the thi- of those who have the very thing we want, which might lead us to impulsivity, and uh, uh, in, in some sense some sort of impulsive action either to myself, done to myself, or done to others, which uh, almost always leads to sin, right? And um, I think that's – that's I, so I like how we wait for God, um, how we wait for these desires that we want to be fulfilled, how we align those things, how we wait for those things matters because you're either going to be formed more into Christ-likeness or not. Um, and, and you know. I like that. I like that idea and that phrase, the cost of impatience. Um, yeah. We're tempted at just about every turn to be impatient and, and are provided with ample opportunity to do so um, and to to justify our impatience as as other things, right? As being opportunistic, as being prudent, as being uh, bold, whatever. Um, that that there are all all kind of ways that I think we justify our impatience, and and it's something I have to guard myself against constantly. Uh, I have a tendency to be to be fairly impatient. And I think all of these things, you know, like the, 
the idea of patience and the idea of how do we wait and the idea of what what are the things that that I'm that I'm searching for that are unfulfilled and and am I searching for the right things? All of those things I think are are so wrapped up in Advent, and I think that gets back to 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 what I really see as the value of this season because I think you know while Advent hasn't been a part of of necessarily a lot of our kind of backgrounds or Protestant churches kind of backgrounds for a long time. We have heard these these phrases that have popped up, right? Like remember the reason for the season or keep Christ in Christmas and those types of things. And the irony of that is I think Advent is the way to do that. Um, Advent is the way to to bring my heart and my mind and my focus onto the things that matter. Um, because if I pull myself away from those things, Christmas can be a temptation for impatience, right? Christmas can be a temptation for how do I, how do I get my, my earthly, worldly desires in this season and get the thing that I want for Christmas? Um, and then what happens if I don't get it? Am I going to be upset or whatever? Um, and, and, and Advent helps to prepare us for, for all of even those things, but helps to, to pull us back from, from some of those things and experience what the season I think is designed to be about which then allows us to experience Christmas in its fullest joy and and celebration and and peace and all of those things that we I think hope to use that word again hope to get out of it. You know, I think that I think that's right. I think one of the things that I struggle with the most with Advent is um, MLK's letter to uh, uh, in the letter in Birmingham from Birmingham prison or jail. You know, he talks about the um he talks about time, right? And his point uh, is that time is neutral, but in it, he, I can't remember the word, wording exactly, but he talks about how, like, you know, you guys keep on telling us to wait, just be patient and wait uh, while all these, you know, as you're demanding justice, right? And there's that, you know, there's that tension there of, um, I don't think, I guess one thing I want to clarify, even with my own waiting or whoever's waiting, right, as it relates to justice or whatever, that waiting does not mean this kind of lackadaisical, I'm just going to just do nothing, sit on my, my, my hands and feet and just not pursue anything. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, uh, relax. I think waiting, there's an active, there's an active dimension to our waiting, right? There is, I'm, st- you know, it, it's more, it's more of a, uh, impetus to say, okay, um, during this season of Advent where I'm waiting for God to come down and bring all things to an end, I'm going to put the righteousness of Christ and try to live into that, that much more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um yeah. it's not just this, uh, time to be lazy with I guess Advent is not an excuse for lazy spirituality or lazy um, um, uh, justice uh, or lack of seeking justice because it's all in God's hand, hands. No, you still have a call to treat uh, the poor and oppressed, to go to those on the marginalized and to stick up for your neighbor. And uh, but um, it's with but to keep all of those things you do. Uh, in pers- in this perspective that God uh, that we're waiting for God to come uh, uh, and bring us a new heaven and earth. Until that point, we're going to uh, live into uh, the reality, of the already of our real of our saved existence. I guess I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does, and I'm glad you phrased it that way, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the first things I thought of there is I, I think that is what we see Simeon and Anna doing in the temple in Luke two. Right, they're they're both waiting. 
but they're waiting looks like feasting uh feasting and fasting i think it even says for anna but but worshiping preaching proclaiming the word of god right they're, they're doing all these things and so because of all that when jesus comes they're fully ready to recognize him and embrace him and as simeon says something to the effect of you know now you can dismiss your servant in peace right like all right i've i'm out i've been waiting here it is that's it i'm done um and and so that they, they seem to be preparing themselves and, and waiting well um but i think also that the other thing i appreciate about the way that you phrased all that michael is that i think advent you know for this year in particular comes at such a fascinating time um because i mean we've been waiting all year right like how many of us feel like i've i've been waiting since march i've been waiting for things to get back to normal i've been waiting for a vaccine i've been waiting for the election to be over like whatever it is we've been we've been waiting and now it's like we get to the end of the year and it's like all right here's this special season where you're supposed to wait and it's like well <laughs> no thank you i'm just gonna go i'm gonna do the celebration stuff of christmas i've been waiting enough um but i but i do think it's it's this reminder of of the importance of how we wait and the importance of what that waiting looks like which you just described very well and this reminder of how we are called to wait and and the things that we are waiting for and the hope that those bring in in christ and the idea that god god keeps his promises and if I truly believe that, if I truly believe that God is a God who keeps his promises, then like you said, I'm going to be working towards the redemption of creation in the ways that I go about living my life um, and the things that I go about personally pursuing and investing in and, and lending my, my hope toward. So in thinking about that, I, you know, I, the aspect of waiting is one part of Advent, but the part that always has struck me is the part about preparation. And so preparation feels in some ways like a form of waiting that isn't really waiting. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's like, it, it is active. Um, but what what do we, how do we see the preparation in, process in Advent? Uh, when it was first, in, when Advent was first introduced to me, it was described as, well, it's a time of preparation for the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> how, how, how is it that we prepare for that? Does that mean that we, you know, put up our Christmas tree and, and start warming up the Christmas carols uh, and do our Christmas shopping? Or, you know, is there, something, is there something more meaningful in our preparation? I mean, I think the preparation probably entails um your your orientation on how of the world right how you orient yourself in terms of uh your worldview and looking at the world and one way to to um prepare is by um dedicating your your month the season of advent to um spiritual practices that uh, uh, or disciplines that kind of highlight this um, looking for God to come, begging for God to come back while at the same time um, uh, fixing, you know, working on the, your, the virtues that you need to be working on, whether it's, you know, Sermon on the Mount stuff or whatever. And so, and, and that's, that's kind of the conceptual backdrop of uh, that I'm, uh, hopefully that makes 
conceptually makes sense, I guess. Well, so so I'm curious, Michael, because Jason and I both already kind of shared we don't necessarily have a lot of kind of formalized practices or, or, or disciplines that are specific to this season. Uh, do you have any that, that, that you sort of observe in Advent season or that have been meaningful to you as, as kind of practices that are that are specifically connected to Advent? Yeah, uh, I, I really like written prayer, rote prayer, um, kind of pre-written prayers. And there's an Instagram account called Black Liturgies that um, capture that right now, if you go to uh, at Black Liturgies, um, um, that captures kind of the tone uh, and ache of waiting while also calling us to be active in that waiting. It gives breath prayers. Um, we did. I planned and led a worship night uh, at, for my young adults here uh, last night, and it was all Advent-based. And so what we did was we sang songs that tried to read, that tried to orient us to the coming of Christ the King, right? Like, Jesus, come back now. Like, like we need you here. And we used her, um, her the, the author behind that account, her name is... Um, Cole Arthur, Arthur Riley, I think. And um, we read her own liturgies that she has written for the Advent season and dwelling on those. And she had breath prayers like we would, after reading a written prayer, we would have a a time where we just did breath prayer together where we would inhale, you know, um, uh, I grow tired of despair, and then we would exhale, uh, Jesus, uh, free me in my waiting or something like that, right? Um, and so those sort of like really focusing, making kind of breath prayers specific to the season or written prayers or devotionals to the season. It's hard to do that for worship songs, quite frankly. I think there, there's, a, there's a big dearth in, um, of songs that, that have uh, – we have a lack of like worship songs that help give voice to these anxieties and doubts or questions we have, right? Oh, for sure. Um, uh, like, um, so I, y- you know, they're they're out there. Taze worship has some, you know, you have, but uh, that can be appropriated to guitar uh, uh, song setting. But it it is difficult to find that in our current worship. But if you can, you know, deep calls to deep. Is you know there's some specific worship songs that can be um, geared or thought through in the worship season in in the Advent season. So hopefully that's helpful. Well, you can even broaden that out, right? That that we just don't we don't lament very well just in general in corporate worship. Oh sure, in, yes, in absolutely. America. Yeah, it's, it's um, and and so I think that this is sort of almost like to me a subset of that, right? right? The, the ache and the tension that that you're kind of describing, and and as I have kind of uh, tried to be more intentional lately about reading through the Psalms and stuff, it's like man, you can't read like we pick out the nice kind of praise parts of Psalm, and I'm guilty of doing this too, especially as like call to worship type things and stuff. But man, you can't get through hardly you know many verses of Psalms without coming across somebody crying out or you know almost like yelling at god or or lamenting or something that it's it's all through there and um and so i i appreciate the way that you kind of frame some of those practices and 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 disciplines that that could be pursued at this time 
And um, I, I, and I, I think we keep coming back to these ideas of 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 aching and tension and things like that. And I just want to be clear because I'll probably incorporate this in some of my sermons that I I am just as I said. I think other people are probably feeling this right now. I'm I'm wanting the peace and kind of the the exhaling of of the Christmas season for the year 2020, I think as much as anybody and feel myself in need of that. Um I just find that that can be that can be best experienced if if we if we do some of this other work of of advent as well. And so I don't want to discount anyone's kind of desire for for peace and for joy and for celebration. Um uh, I just want to say that that I think that there's value in in doing some of this other stuff along with it and and pursuing some of those practices that you're talking about, Michael, and that we've talked about kind of considering and questions that we can ask ourselves in this series and in in the season and readings that we can do in scripture and things we can be intentional about ways we can engage scripture and and all of those types of things. Um, any anybody got closing closing thoughts or anything you want to get out there that we hadn't gotten to yet in this conversation today? We've kind of we we've thrown out a bunch of stuff and it's it's been interesting for me and I'm, I'm glad we've taken some time to do this. But but there may be something that we didn't didn't quite hit that somebody wanted to to get out there. So I want to I want to provide space for that before we kind of wrap this up. Well, I I will I want to just kind of throw out something that came to mind just a moment ago. Um, I'm going to challenge myself and I might encourage any listener, listeners to challenge themselves that during this particular season of Advent to really commit to a, a spiritual discipline of, of prayer and reflection and uh, preparing yourself spiritually for the coming Christ that 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 kind of preparation is something that is so incredibly easy to overlook, even assuming you're even aware that it's part of the season. And, uh, you know, and so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to um, be more consistent with spiritual disciplines, to be more resolute in turning over things to God, and to better prepare my mind and my spirit for, um, for, you know, truly rejoicing at, in the coming Christ when it, when that time comes. I don't think that's something I've ever really done, like really put myself into before. And I kind of want to see what, what that feels like, what, what I experience in that. That's good. Because I, I had a thought earlier, and then I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember it. And as you were saying that, I remembered it. So thank you. Because <laughs> one of the things I thought of when Michael was was sharing some of kind of the practices that you've been engaging, Michael, is that I I do think that that idea of of desiring Christ's return, I think is is important. In part because I don't really, I'm not really fully sure it's something that we all truly desire within the church. Like, I think if we're honest, like, we we want to, quote unquote, you know, be with him in heaven someday, all those things. But but I think if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of us would, would be fine with that being further down the road. Um, and when we're met with kind of the brokenness of the world, we may have those pains of, you know, you know, Christ come back, you know, let's just bring all this under control. But But then, I mean, for the most part, we, you know, I want to see my kids grow up. 
you know, I want to see my kid, what my kids experience in life, you know, all those things. Like there are things in this life that I still want to see and experience. And so I think that is a tension that we, that we sometimes aren't really fully honest about and deal with. Um, and I think it's one of the, to me, it's one of the primary differences in the way that we read scripture and the ways that the original hearers of scripture would have read scripture. They're like, they're expecting that Jesus is going to come back soon. And they're worried about, hey, all these people are dying like before he, like what, what's happening to all these people who are dying before Jesus comes back. Um, so they're like expecting this is going to happen soon and we've got to be ready for it. We, on the other hand, have phrases like the only things that are certain are death and taxes. Like we're certain that Jesus is going to come back after we're dead. Um, and, and I think that just, that frames so much of spirituality differently, I think. That there was so much of this preparedness that was built into the Christian life for, for them at that time that, that I think as time has passed has just kind of completely faded in many ways. And, and maybe Advent is a time to sort of recapture even some of that. I, I think that's right, Warren and, and Jason. Just, so let's say you um, let's say you take seriously kind of Jason's call to challenge yourself to really contemplate um, the coming of Christ by examining your desire, unmet desires, whatever it is, right? Um, I, and, um, I think, I, I think you're, you're, I think, I wonder if one way to, to another way of saying what you're, what you're describing, Warren, is to say that it's not that having earthly desires is wrong, right? It's, and, but what ends up happening is that our earthly desires are misaligned and take precedence over, over our heavenly desire, the one in which God made us to have from the very beginning, he put a soul in you, right? Like, or made you as a, a, as a being, right? That you, that you were made ultimately to find uh, rest in God, right? That's that quote from Augustine in uh, the Confessions that everyone knows our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, I ordered a U2 thing. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, right? Um, Working in the restaurant industry right now, um, I'm I'm encountering all types of people who are are searching for um, something that they cannot name, uh, but they're trying to fill that gap in their soul that they cannot fill. And so they they tell me about who they sleep with and they're so happy about it one day and the next day they're they're down and depressed because they got rejected by the same person who used them. And what I want to just tell them is what you're looking for is something much wider, larger, and bigger than you. You're looking for the, for hope, right? And uh, it's it's cr- it's crazy uh, how um, that that lines that they will never be satisfied until they understand that um, satisfaction will only come from God. And I think that example you gave, Warren, like I want to see my kids grow up. I want to I want to. We only want God to come back when, when we are in the middle of our own suffering. 
when life is good, when let's say I, you know, you just get married or you just get this nice job or whatever, right? Um, I'm cool with God not coming back because I'm enjoying the fruits of my hard work or whatever. And that's the that's the cunning brilliance of Advent is to ask you like, let's say you get tomorrow everything you ever wanted. And then God calls you on your phone for some reason, says, hey, I'm thinking about coming back in like an hour. You ready? And like, if you know, like a Church of Christer would say, well, of course, like I, of course I'm ready. I followed the five set plans of salvation, right? I'm good. But that's not what the question's really asking, right? The question's really asking, are you ready to give up everything you've ever wanted in this material world to be with the one uh, whom your soul was ultimately made for. And, or, you know, I would imagine that, um, you know, I don't know. I guess the question would be, would we have the audacity to tell God, hold off just a second? You know, like, would we have that audacity? And I, uh, I, I'm, I'm curious about that. And I'm, and I don't know for myself. And so that's why we need Advent to help us get to that place where we can say, come, come now. And I mean it like whenever, like I just, I'm enjoying life, but I know life is going to be much better with you. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, I think that's another good, a good, another good imagery for us to, um, to help to kind of, to think about and, and, make some sense of Advent. So I I think that's a good one for us to end on. So um, once again, Michael, I'm glad that you you were able to spend this time with us today. I appreciate your insight. I think this is, um, I didn't know for sure where this conversation was going to go because like Jason said, I think this is still somewhat of a new concept and, and, um, and thought for, for me and, and, and for, for many of us who kind of don't have this history. So, I didn't really know where it was going to go, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation, appreciate the, the thoughts that each of you had. And uh, I certainly feel like I, I've got a better perspective on, on some of it going, going forward. And hopefully others found it interesting and compelling for, for those who might still be with us at this point in the podcast. So, so we'll wrap up there for today. And uh, once again, Michael, it's good, good to be able to, to spend some time with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I, I, it's great to talk to you and Jason. Uh, think about you guys often, and I uh, love y'all, and thanks for asking me. And Not at all. In fact, I, I, I can't wait to have you back on the podcast in the future. I'm actually kind of ashamed it's taken us this long to get you on. Well, and I think it was even it was an, an unexpected, um, I think, perspective that you I wouldn't even think about your perspective as someone who's adopted and the perspective that that gives you in some of this so I'm glad I'm glad you brought that in in on your own and we're willing to to share that um and and to give give even that part of your your story and in your history to to this conversation and to this season because I, I think that certainly adds adds another layer that's helpful for those of us who who haven't experienced mm-hmm. that so well Thanks, guys. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Well, we we typically close out we we typically close out in prayer. So, um, so Michael, as as our special guest today, would you would you be willing to to close us in prayer today? Yeah, and I, you know, in lieu of what we were uh, talking about, I'm actually going to read a prayer from that Black Liturgy's account um, as as kind of our our closing prayer. Sounds good. Well, let's let's pray. 
God of the long and aching wait. This year has swelled with the grief and loss and longing of many. We want so much more than the present condition of this world. Where are you? There are seasons when it becomes difficult to believe in your nearness. Would you make it known to us now? That as we carry each other through the season, we would find a miracle. That we would find miracle in the mundane, tiny, sacred flashes of good as we wait for a healing that lasts. Help us to dream that we would find even our prayers grown large in this season, asking for those things which we have marked off as foolish or naive. Help us to dream not that we would pine for some mirage of how things used to be, but that we would hold space for visions of life and societies where justice can breathe, where power is mobile, and where liberation leaves no soul behind. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And we will uh, wait. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 Great prayer. I like that. Thank you. Come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel.